Not allowed to look at the mini comics yet. We haven't started. Why not? Oh, this is cute. <laughs> Whoa, how, we're not going to have time to like pass them around and like read and assess, are we? Well, like, just, just flip through. We can't book. actually read it. No. Well, we you could, know, I think so, some of these are so short you could read it in thirty seconds. We could like pause the recording and then. I think uh, we should just really lean into the format we have here, and we can just like hold up the book and like flip through pages, and show it to the microphone. Yeah, in yeah our show it completely <laughs> auditory medium about an entirely yes. non-auditory <laughs> subject. Yeah, you hear that? That's the sound of books. <laughs> this is going to be our, our mini comics ASMR. This is the new spinoff of the Trade Waiters. Oh my goodness! <laughs> but we can't project. We have to whisper into the microphone. <laughs> That's, the sound. <laughs> That's high quality. <laughs> yeah. Guess we're here. Welcome we everybody to the Trade Waiters. Uh, we're going to do something a little different today. Uh, we are going to do a TCAF Van Calf episode. This is our second ever Calf Stravaganza. Calf Stravaganza. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> uh, so we didn't all go to all the same conventions, but some of us went to TCAF, some of us went to Van Calf, some of us went to both. And some we've of, all got books to share. Some of us also went to PrairieCon. PrairieCon is not officially part of this tour, but <laughs> I also wanted to mention Prairie uh, Prairie Fest because <laughs> one of my books is technically from Prairie Fest. Yeah. Okay, so I think what we're going to do is we've each got uh, at least four books. So we're going to share those around, around Robin style, and then uh, maybe do a lightning round after that. All right. So many Z and so little time. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did think of a character building question if you want to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So my character building question is, what is the most indie comics thing you've done so far this year? This year? Yeah. In 2019. So the thing you've done that is like, this is something you could hold up at like the most indie of zine shows and say, I did this. I belong in this like super indie space. Sorry, I'm confused. Is it like the most indie zine that you have made or events that you have attended? The the thing you've done that is the most zine culture. Okay. Put it that way. Oh, God. Mm. What is zine culture? (laughs) What am I? What what am I doing? Do we need a better question? Um, No, we don't. I just need to think because 2019 has not been very long. That's true. Do you want me to start? Um, Yeah. Yeah, Since I came up with a question? Okay. The most... Indie zine culture thing I've done so far this year is I made a mini comic that was a doujinshi of the newspaper strip BC, which I called BCE, and then I did not sell it to people. I gave away all my copies. Mm. (laughs) That is the most zine thing I'll ever do, I'm sure. (laughs) Oh, uh, I'm Jonathan, by the way. (laughs) All right, I'm Jam, and on a similar note, I didn't actually... I'm so indie, I didn't even table at a show this year. Wow. <laughs> wow. Same. That's, yeah. Did wow. you walk around at a show with books, though? I did. Ooh. Well, like, and I just traded them to people that I knew. That's, so that's, yeah. that's pretty deep, 
deep web, I guess. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Oh, uh, I'm Jess. I'm going to jump on that. I didn't table at all. No one's ever heard of me. You can't even, you can't even see my website. Because it's broken. No, just kidding. It's actually fine. You can look at my website. I, uh, I did that as well. I, um, I'm not going to be tabling this year. I'm just, I am working on lots of projects. And uh, The Witching Hours came out, which was super awesome. But I did something similar where I, just, I had some extra zines that I just gave for, away for free. And I made an amazing trade, actually. And one of the books I want to talk about is from trading. So ah. that was really fun. Yeah. All right. Cool. I'm going to respond to your uh, no. comment that no one's heard of you, Jess. No. Uh, because I was at uh, Car Free Day selling comics yesterday. Oh. And someone picked up a copy of The Witching Hours, and they flipped open to the first page, and they were like, oh my gosh, Allison Woodward, they did my tattoo. Oh. Uh, and then they were like, wow, this is amazing. And they're looking at the different names, and I said, oh man, wouldn't it be funny if Jess Pollard was in this book? And I said, Jess Pollard did the last story in this book. And they were like, are you serious? And I looked at the last page. And they totally bought it. <laughs> That's so sweet. I that was um I I believe a supervisor or coordinator at my job. I talked to her about that today. I, I can I tell her like a kind of a dumb story. Of course, a, a dumb yes. embarrassing story. So this is what podcasting is for. Character yeah. building questions are for. Yeah. So she's she's so lovely. We work like obviously in the same building on the same floor, and um, I basically I just found like a Best Buy gift card on the ground, and so I was putting up like found posters for it so the person could get it back. Um, Because there was, like, a decent amount of money on it. So I was printing these posters, and I went into her office, and I was like, oh, can I borrow some tape? Um, I'm just printing, like, three of these posters. And she's like, yeah, sure. And so we're talking, and I hear the printer just going, and, like, the sound of, like, hundreds of pages are printing. I'm like, (laughs) this isn't, like, the print job I made. So I go in, and the printer's, like, somehow (laughs) was printing, like, dozens of these, like, posters. I didn't need that many at all. It was so bad. Um, so I had to, like, we had to, like, she came over and, like, helped me, like, shut it down. Because um, I probably put in, like, you know, 333 instead of three in, the, oh, no. in like, the, the queue. Um, so that was fun. But, yeah, we just we just talked today, which is crazy. So oh, right on. it's nice that people are reading the book and enjoying it. Yeah, and I will say that co- selling comics on Commercial Drive is, that's pretty indie. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I felt I felt pretty indie selling comics on Commercial Drive. <laughs> I'm Jeff Ellis, and uh, I was actually my original indie thing. I was going to suggest is that I almost missed a convention for the sake of getting brunch oh. when you're at the uh, Prairie Comics Festival because <laughs> the Prairie Comics Festival started at noon uh, or one p.m. Something really late, like it was just. Sunday was going to be like 1 p.m. start. So we got, we, we, before we went to bed, we said, oh, well, we got time. Let's go, we'll get brunch at a really nice brunch place in Winnipeg. And my friend who's local was like, oh, I know just the place. And he, he did pick the best place to get brunch in Winnipeg, but that meant that you had like a two and a half hour wait to like get seated. Oh, no. And so we were like, well, this isn't going to work. So then we drove. Uh, to go to like another brunch place which also same story and then we drove to the other side of town and my friend was basically we're going to go to the equivalent of denny's and um it turns out there was a marathon (laughs) that was its finish line was like a block away from where this like restaurant was so they were slammed with people that had just completed a marathon 
So then we got a phone call from the first place that our table was ready. And we actually managed to get back and get our brunch before the convention. Wow. <laughs> I felt pretty zeny that day. That's nice. <laughs> if you wait that long, though, it just becomes lunch, right? Oh, yeah. Like... Yeah. <laughs> so we had lunch before our yes. furry fest. Yeah. Wow. That's, um, uh, that's hilarious. Okay. Who would like to start? So... I guess these are in no particular order, but this is something I picked up at TCAF. And uh, I specifically pulled this one because I met two of the people that contributed to it when I went to Niagara Falls as part of the trip to Niagara that TCAF offers. Um, so this is an anthology called Doors, and it's an anthology all about doors. And that was the one thing that connected all the stories. Um, so it's a full color floppy book and there's lots of different styles It's generally pretty like lighthearted and uh the two artists that i specific i'll pass this around i guess um the two people i specifically met uh were charles hamill and stephanie brennan and i was uh, really taken when they told me that they have this uh, one they have a comic collective called the donut collective <laughs> and two that their collective had put out an anthology I was sort of like, well, you don't know this yet, but you've already sold me a book. And yeah, it was like really interesting just to see like the different takes that the artist had on the concept of doors. And I think in particular, there was someone called uh, Ariane Laurence. I hope I'm saying the name right. And Jesse McGibney. Uh, they both had some really fun stories. Uh, yeah, I was really just taken with the idea that there's this organization called the Donut Collective and they did an anthology. And the theme of doors just seemed really fascinating to me. I was kind of skeptical. And then after I read through it, I was actually really impressed. Um, and it was just kind of neat. I sort of felt like it was almost like a, I don't know, like a, a passing of the torch of generations where like I was meeting these young up and coming cartoonists with their collective and their anthology and giving them my grizzled war stories of starting a collective 12 years ago in Vancouver. Yeah. No, I was uh, going to say, like, yeah. as soon as you pulled this out and said it was an anthology, I'm like, oh, wow, a short, floppy anthology, just like the one we made. Yeah. And because that's where uh, three of us at least started. It's yeah. like 12 years ago, as you said. And it's so incredible to see, like, Cloudscape being, like, such a large organization now. Because we started with something like this, although ours wasn't nearly this impressive. I know. Oh, I, was, like, I was thinking for, like, a... I don't think that's their first publication, but like it's pretty the good. production quality was pretty impressive. And the art quality too, like that's what I was going to say is this reminds me of Robots, Pine Trees and Broken Hearts, which was the first Cloudscape anthology, but the print quality is better. It's in color. The art is better. The, uh, I'm going to, I haven't read it, but I'm going to assume the stories are probably better too. Uh, <laughs> so it, it's really exciting to see that not only is this sort of this generational like the next group coming up is like getting together and like making books and making comics but also it seems like often they're going through those steps faster because they have the benefit of all the time we spent spinning our wheels to build up the industry a little bit bigger so that the next group has a slightly easier time yeah yeah it's really encouraging yeah, this was, so yeah, I just, I think for me, this stood out just as like, a, it was like heartening to see like that there's going to be more anthologies by more collectives in Canada. Mm. Yeah, that's really inspiring. 
put that in the center pile. <laughs> it's crazy, like how how nowadays uh, with you know newer technology, you can just get together with friends and print off a comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I think with like crowdfunding and print on demand, like, yeah. yeah, it's just never been easier to. Yeah make this stuff a reality. Mm-hmm. Like if, yeah. if we had crowdfunding when we did Robots, Pine Trees, and Broken Hearts, <laughs> it might have been a full-color floppy too. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> like, I remember like scraping together the funds among ourselves yeah. Yeah. and yeah. to get something not that great, like yeah. a, a black and white staple. Yeah. 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 A small yeah. print run of a yeah. black and white staple. I was, I'm pretty sure it was done on a upscale uh, black and white laser photocopier. Uh-huh. First yeah. Book. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anyways, good okay. job, Doors. Our good job, Donut Collective, I mean. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, good job on Doors, Donut Collective. There you go. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, my first book here, I'm kind of cheating on because I did not get this at TCAF. I got this at Prairie Fest. <gasps> but I did check, and this artist was at TCAF. I did see it at TCAF. Can't confirm. <laughs> and was at VanCAF. Was he at VanCAF, too? I couldn't check because the VanCAF site doesn't currently have this year's exhibit. That's how I got this. Anymore. Okay. Uh, all right, so this is, uh, I guess he was doing the CanCon tour too. Uh, this is Scott Ford, uh, and this book is called Giant's Well. Uh, I picked it up because I heard a rumor that there was someone who had made an accordion book comic at a convention, and I immediately made a beeline over to have a look at it, and it is so good. It is, um, first of all, it's, there are no panels, so the whole story, you like turn the book on its side and flip through so that the accordion kind of folds down and it's a story about this uh guy who's basically doing a dungeon crawl so he moves down and the story moves forward Uh, and you can the it really effectively even though it doesn't have panel boundaries it really effectively directs where to read next so you never get lost uh it helps too that he's carrying like a a light with him so you just look for the next light source and that's how you know where to go next and as the story progresses, you don't really know what's going on. There's like this guy and a cat and a ghost. And they're talking about how there were these monsters that had destroyed the village at some point. And he keeps going down and like opening doors and going through passageways and different ways of getting through this tunnel until you get to the bottom. And his goal is to uh, stop these unquiet ghosts from attacking the, the town uh, and what you also realize, and I can't really fold this out because it's really big, but the whole story is a monster, like the a dead giant Whoa. is oh the cavern. So like you can't, there because the giant is so big, like the skull takes three pages. And so you only realize much later in the story, oh, wait, this is a giant. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, cool. This is crazy. And like the um the way that it's put together is so um skillful. Uh I once made an accordion book. That was my second most zeny thing I ever did. Um <laughs> and basically what I discovered in my journey of figuring out how to make accordion books is that no one will print and mass produce an accordion book for you. Uh you have to hand assemble there's going to have to be a hand assembly step at some point uh and so he also hand assembled this but the difference between his book and my book is you can't tell he hand assembled this. yeah no it's really professional i was right. going to say like how do you think he, he got it done oh uh, there's a little tutorial at the end where he like shows 
his process. He's got photos. Oh, wow. Uh, and he used exactly the same materials I did. Uh, he, uh, except for the cover, is a hardcover, and that's that's quite a challenging thing to build, too. But it looks like he's got double-sided tape, and he's just taping prints together, which is, oh, that's what I did, God. too. Okay. But he's just did a really, really good job of it. I, I talked to Scott, and... Uh, I also bought one of his books, which I may or may not talk about later, uh, called Arkland. Depends on our time. But Scott was a really nice guy, and I looked at that book, and I thought about you, um, and I believe he has each of those books uh, signed and numbered. That's right, yeah. So do you know which book number you have? I have 193 of 300. Yeah, so... You can't even see the tape. Oh, are they taped on the inside? Yeah. Taped on the inside, yeah. Oh, and wow. he, I, I asked him if he thought he would do it again, and he said no. <laughs> Those 300 I, books are, are it. That's a way higher number than I was thinking. I thought you were going to say, oh, it's probably one of 40, maybe 50. <laughs> this is incredible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if he had it set up the same way at PrairieCon as he did at VanCalf, but at VanCalf he had a lighting bracket or some kind of it was something that you used for like i think camera um hold, like lifting up like a fabric background and it would go 10 to 20 feet up and so he would attach one edge of the accordion and just hike that up to the ceiling <laughs> and so he had the entire accordion book going up into the roof of the gymnasium at van calf awesome wow. and it looked great just even as like a display element to bring people to his table yeah i tried unfolding it at home and i don't think my house is big enough to unfold it all the way yeah. <laughs> wow really cool yeah that's great okay i think okay. there's a there's one other comic i think i saw i think it's called poetry is bullshit by the guy who did wrath of poseidon and i think that's an accordion as well oh, cool yeah so i just wanted to bring it up because i've it, i've also seen very few of these in my life, so uh -huh. they're really rare and really cool. Yeah, Sorry. it's because they're oh, not practical. Oh. <laughs> no, that is really cool. They're they're a rare specimen. Yeah, uh, and I was going to say, like, it's incredible if technology is there to make things like this now. But at least, you know, it's like, <laughs> can you imagine, like, if you had hand produced all those accordion seeds <laughs> and then just like two, three years later, it's like, oh, we could just print that now. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, actually. Maybe it's not so bad that it's still only possible to hand assemble these. But someday. 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 <laughs> All right. Well, my book, I only went to TCAF this year, but I went as an, as an attendee just to buy things. And it was a really exciting experience for me because usually I'm behind the table and unable to get you know, time to explore, time to discover anything new. So I had a blast at TCAF. Um, and the first of my four books was the one that I made a beeline for. The second that the show floor opened, I'm like, I have to go and get this book. And it is Emily Carroll's When I Arrived at the Castle. Ooh. And this is another uh, CanCon element. Emily Carroll is a fantastic Canadian artist. Uh, and she's basically got a blank check from me. Uh, it doesn't matter what she's making. I am down for it and I am here for it. And she's known for horror. She's known for really disturbing elements. And this is no exception. It's a beautiful, like, eight and a half by 11 size album. Mm. And it's in stark black and white and red. Ooh. And the story follows, hmm, its story follows a vampire hunter... Uh, who is this cat woman 
and she goes to visit this vampire who is notorious and as generally happens ends up getting seduced and it is actually like a twisty turny kind of narrative of this vampire hunter versus the vampire and what's the most interesting about this story to me is how much it leaves open to interpretation. Mm -hmm. So my friend and I both bought this book because we both wanted it. And we read it page by page at the same time, which was kind of a fun experience. And we're both writers. So we're both like deep in comics and know the art. We had two completely different interpretations at the end wow. of what had happened mm. in this book. And I would be keen to hear other interpretations. I'm not going to spoil anyone with mine. But I thought it was still like a fun, engaging read. Obviously really creepy. Art, beautiful, fantastic stuff. Uh, and I recommend it to anyone who is a fan of horror. Uh, Emily is continues to be one to watch. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost like sad. I just flipped through it because I kind of spoiled parts of it. It looks amazing. Like I would love to read this. Yeah. I'd love to buy a copy. Mm -hmm. oh, black, white, and red is just such a great way to present art in a comic. Like... Something about those three colors together. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I don't want to spoil this, so I'm not going to flip any further. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think even if you look through things, the time that I spent reading it deeply, like, it's, you still have to stop and think mm. and reinterpret what is happening. So mm. it wouldn't worry too, too much okay. about it. <laughs> you know, Emily Carroll is great. I'm a big fan. Yeah. And the art is just amazing. Mm. Emily Carroll's a national treasure. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Yeah, some other works by her, if you're interested. I believe Ooh, I Through the Woods. Really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Through the Woods, I think, was her most recent, like, really big graphic novel. And she's also known for the video game Gone Home. So she's definitely someone that if you Google her name, there's lots that you can find and highly recommend. I just realized one of my, I think one of my favorite zines doesn't have any information on it of who made it. Oh. So... I don't know who made this. I'm looking for an author page, and I can't find it, but it's called um, Conceal, Don't Feel, and there's a picture <laughs> of a crying seal on the cover, and it's a very, I think this was, yeah, this must have been made by hand. It's basically like a piece of printer paper um, that's sort of cut zine style, and it's probably eight pages. Oh, it's a staple free. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just a tiny paper zine, and it's full of these, like, sort of uh, mini, mini comics about the author's life and thinking about making art and comedy and eating new foods and things like that. It's really sweet. I just love their style. The back has a name, but I can't, I can't quite read it. Is it Aaron? Uh, I don't know. It looks like a, a C and a, oh, C-I-I-L. Seal. <laughs> I think. <laughs> it was... Because I went to, um, I know someone named uh, Cyril. I went to their table and traded some things and bought some things. And then I, I, this comic kind of ended up in my hands. <laughs> I was like, this looks great. It looks hilarious. But I just, I really enjoy just, you know, going around and picking up random little things like that. And <laughs> The, the was, cartooning is great. Yeah, it's really Aww. sweet. I really um, got really into Lucky's Lounge, this fan cap. So I just went to fan cap. Um, and that's where, like, speaking of indie comics, like, there's a lot. I found there was, like, a lot of original art, like, hand-cut zines, things like that, which I'm a huge fan of, as well as, like, the more 
polished stuff as well, but um, I spent a lot more time in there this year. So I got a lot of like paper zines and things like that. Do you want to explain what the Lucky's Lounge is? Oh man, um, yeah. What is what is the Lucky's Lounge like? It's I guess it's like roughly it's where the more uh, indie stuff is, right? At Bancaf. Yeah, so I guess it's a uh, it's a section that is devoted to specifically like people selling zines. It was uh, co-promoted by uh, Lucky's Comics. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was like an opportunity to let um, people that may not get regular t- table space at Vancaf have an opportunity to exhibit on the same day as Vancaf. So it's like a zine my show inside a comic it. show. Yeah. Like it was created yeah. as a way of just like expanding who gets to exhibit at a show like Vancaf was my understanding. Yeah that, yeah. that sounds about right. There's also, there was a lot of um, like, I don't know, um, artisanal goods, like um, <laughs> handmade ceramic pins, which I bought a bunch of and like, t-shirts and um silk screening what else was there original art i, I this was uh, this fan cap i bought a lot of original art which um was such a treat because that's not something i normally do i actually bought a sculpture at van cap which oh, was wow uh great it's like in a prized place it was by uh, sean caremaker and it's this this ghost like filled with items it's hard to explain <laughs> this is a this is a great visual medium podcast <laughs> we're going to continue our um describing sculptures to a yeah. microphone yeah. <laughs> tradition from last episode. why does this keep happening <laughs> this is a, an incredible looking scene though like if i yeah. had spotted it i would have picked it up immediately a really good find and yeah. i love this like Classic, classic zine style of an eight and a half by eleven folded down into one eight page scene. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I like I like the wordplay with con seal too. Yeah, <laughs> con seal don't feel. Mm. The drawings are really really cute, and like yeah. it's got nice quality paper too. You know, usually a zine like this would just be on regular photocopier paper, but this is like someone really just put them some thought into them. Like, this is exactly what I want to do. I'm just going to do the best version of this. Nice. Mm-hmm. Jess, you got to see if you can find who this is, and then we can add them, add a link to their stuff uh, on the post afterwards. I, yeah, I feel I feel really bad because I I you know I brought some of my favorite things, and um, I sort of thought, oh, there's probably like an Instagram on the back. And now looking at it, I'm not sure if there's any contact info. So if yeah, yeah, if we can find out who made Conceal, don't feel, please tell I me. Have- a similar problem with one of my scenes and I'm so frustrated <laughs> because I didn't realize yeah. it had happened until I came away from the table and I'm like, no, who made this? This is yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> I think I can put your names on your scenes. Yeah. I, th- I think I can trace this one back through um, Cyril. So I'll go ask them and we'll, f- we'll solve this mystery yeah. <laughs> of who was concealing and not feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Don't conceal your identity. Yeah. Your scenes. <laughs> Oh, maybe that's what they're going for. Ooh. True, true indie. So indie, my name's not even on it. <laughs> All right, so is it background to me? Yeah. yeah. Okay, um, so this is uh, a book that I picked up at TCAF, but I actually met the artist at PrairieCon. So I thought, uh, since I bought one book at PrairieCon and one book at TCAF, I'd mention this artist. So her name's Rail McGregor, and she's a Métis LGBTQ artist. And I was on a panel with her at Prairie Con, and I really liked her first comic. And so then I bought Counting Sheep at TCAF as a second purchase. And uh, it's just a simple, like, black and white floppy. Unfortunately, I spilled red wine on it, 
Um, but, uh, it's that black, white, and red color scheme <laughs> yeah. that you were talking about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like, uh, it's just an interesting story. So it's set in a world where in this world you meet your soulmate in your dreams, Ooh. but you have to meet your soulmate before you turn 25 or you won't ever meet your soulmate. <laughs> That sounds <laughs> kind sounds of like true. adolescent anxiety more than anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so so the main character has insomnia and oh, no. they're panicking about having a good night's sleep so that they can uh find their soulmate and they have a, a really good friend that's trying to help them figure out how to get a good night's sleep and meet their soulmate. And uh there's a twist at the end. And it was like a really fun kind of sci-fi fantasy romance comic, which is kind of like up my alley for like, especially like the relationship stuff. I thought it was really well, really well written and paced out. And uh, I really liked Rail's comics. So I wanted to give her a shout out in this podcast. That's very cute. The art is super cute. Yeah. I really like this style. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, kind of remind me of uh, Blue Delaconte. Oh. Yeah, a little bit. Like, I can see that in the, the gesture and, like, the... How can I put it? It's so hard to compare styles. But yeah. I, see what, I see what you mean. Uh, it's got a certain kind of simplicity and emotion. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That That is similar to how Blue draws. Yeah. And it's a it's a very good compliment. Like, yeah. Yeah, it definitely has its own style to it, but yeah, yeah, if I had to think of a comparable, that was the one I thought of. Yeah, yeah, this looks great. So exciting! I love the the premise and the title. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Counting sheep is like yeah. Oh, because there's a countdown. Oh, <laughs> nice. No, I was just going to say it's so like similarly the chance to like walk around TCAF, the chance to like visit these shows is all about discovering these new creators and like having a capsule of their work is uh, one of the most exciting things <laughs> yeah i'm like i'm almost hoping that like maybe in the future i can be like oh yeah i bought this like yeah. zine she produced and now she's got this giant trade paperback everyone's buying i, I have a box <laughs> of scenes like that that i keep that's like oh, oh yeah. Raina telgemeier well i have Raina telgemeier i got a few scene. of those yeah. <laughs> and assembled that's by right. the artist yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> Now she can't even sign books on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like, there's too many people. Too many people lining up. <laughs> All right. Uh, next book I've got is by James Stokoe. It's called Sobek. Uh, and uh, I got it. I actually bought this uh, not from James, but from Shortbox, because uh, Zainab who runs Shortbox had a table at Bancaf. Uh, and the art style is just great. I don't think I've ever read anything of James's before, uh, but this one was fun. It's sort of. Uh, semi-historical ancient Egypt. Clearly he's done his research, but then decided, "Mm, I'm just going to do this with this research I've done. It's about the Egyptian god Sobek, who is this giant crocodile god, and his worshippers are going to ask him to uh, rescue their city, which is dedicated to Sobek. Because uh, Set has invaded their city. And so uh, the crocodile god has to go take his city back. (laughs) Uh, And it's very colorful and very, like, lots of fun details. And um, just the the art style is great and the writing is fun. And uh, I like all the the sort of way he's adapted uh, ancient Egyptian art and architecture and 
done his own completely original thing with it. Oh, wow. So beautiful. I love the foil accents on the cover. That's really fun. Yeah, I was going to say, like, uh, love me a comic with some foiling on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, Shortbox does good books. Oh, it's a Shortbox. Yeah. I have two Shortbox stuff, like, and agreed. Uh, <laughs> shortbox is really, really into high-quality production, which is one of the things that I've really come to appreciate. Mm -hmm. And a really interesting model of distributing comics, too. Oh, I don't know... Oh, well, the, you get, uh, what you do is you order a box, a short box of comics, <laughs> and, and then you just get a whole bunch of comics all at once, yeah. because oh. shipping an individual zine would be, like, prohibitively expensive. Right. This way you get a bunch of them all at once. But it goes beyond that, because Zainab, the one who runs it, she, like, curates and produces all the zines as well. Mm -hmm. Like, so she runs the printing, and she basically, like commissions a run of zines yeah and curates oh, wow. the whole thing and edits the the mm. books i might be subscribing to shortbox <laughs> yeah <laughs> well that's the best thing too is that you don't actually have to subscribe you can just uh get the boxes that you want and if you only want one per year you only have to get one per mm. year yeah. if you want them all you can get them all and my secret is that she often exhibits at TCAF, which is where I picked up a few of mine <laughs> and I have for a few years running because even if you're getting them one off like shipping to canada is Tough, although I think, if I remember correctly, uh, they're working on fixing that. Oh, okay. Uh, they're getting, like, a stateside, like, mirror distributor. Oh, nice. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Uh, it's worth every penny. <laughs> I also read this through Shortbox, okay. um, but I was stealing from Simon's subscription to Shortbox. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's great. Um, such a cool service. It's amazing. Great idea. Yeah, great comic. I also, I liked how the um, gods were really, like, lukewarm on the whole situation. <laughs> like, the humans were, like, panicking about, you know, this this situation in the human world that was so upsetting. And the gods were like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll go. We'll do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot of humor. In yeah. It. The, I, I love the, the dialogue. Yeah, it was really funny, yeah. So, <laughs> I think that comic is great, and Shortbox is really great. And I'm glad I get to... Uh, partake in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay, so it's 29 zine. That's the, <laughs> uh, the official name of the year, mm. and so the rest of my comics are zines. Uh, and the first one that I want to pick up uh, <laughs> for highlighting is a zine by Victor Martins. Uh, and it, I don't know that it actually has a title. It's framed as a micro like moment. So the front cover is just a speech bubble that says, uh, it has like uh, Victor and his friend and his friend is saying, hey, I don't mean to be condescending or anything, but we're friends. You don't have to be afraid of me. And then on the back cover is, I know, I'm sorry. And, but then if you open it, there's this entire story of like all the things that flashed through his head when his friend said that statement and it's about his experience being trans and like the complexities of his identity. And, uh, it's very personal and very raw. It's a beautiful rhizozine, uh, really mm. well put together. It's got, Victor's got this style that very few people are able to hit where it's tight, but sketchy, you know, like the lines are very loose, but very, strongly communicating and so you can tell a lot of time and thought has been put into where every single line goes but uh it still has this energetic 
uh, characteristic to the line work that is really, really good. And I'm watching Victor very closely. Uh, he's very young. I think he's only 25 or something. Hmm. So he's going to be uh, one to watch. Sorry, I'm completely, like, uh, hypnotized <laughs> yeah. by this. I, uh, can I borrow that from you? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, that's crazy. That's fascinating. The format is fascinating. I've never seen anyone do that yeah. in my life. Uh, I've never seen it, a comic that's formatted exactly like this. Um, totally hypnotizing. I'm going to be reading that. <laughs> yes. I, I recommend sitting with it because it, it definitely yeah. is not a... Something that you can skim through. Yeah. 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 I I read it. I read it a few times. Yeah. I also, uh, I've got a comic coming up that uh, would be an interesting like pairing with this one, which Mm. talks about some of the same topics like transitioning and things like that. And the artist is, um, I think, a bit like newer. I think it was their first um, fan calf as well. So Ah. also in like a really loose style, but I'll talk about it later when it's my turn. I'm just getting really excited. Yeah. No, it's exciting to have common themes. I, I thought there'd be a lot more... Um, overlap in what we brought but it doesn't look like anyone brought the same book i think it's actually impressive since none of us uh said what we we're bringing ahead of time we just sort of took it yeah. on chance that like we wouldn't overlap and so it just worked out that we didn't i think yeah. that's pretty impressive yeah there's, there's so much <laughs> good stuff here it's yeah. crazy well there is there oh well when Jonathan brings up his, uh, there's his one, one he brought book, that yeah. I uh, put away because he already brought it in. <laughs> oh. um, but other than what, other than that, that's there was no other one. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty good. Uh, and then just shout out to Racograph. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, the color is amazing. Like for, based on the uh, cover, you, uh, I expected that this was like a one color uh, zine, but like good color choice not to do black to just do blue. Uh, but then it's got like a green and a purple on the inside, and like yeah. they really work well together. And there's like a texture to them. I don't, I don't know whether that's the the risograph itself or whether that's uh, in the art. But like it, it's a really nice object. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and this is uh, produced by I think her name is Carta Mon- Montier. I think it's at the it's in the back. Carta. Don't remember her last name, but she Carta started Monier, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she started her own risograph like printing press. Mm. Uh, and if this is the caliber that's coming out of it, I am stoked. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I mean, I feel like a lot of mine were more just like traditional CMYK printing with traditional bindery, but I've really enjoyed how a lot of you guys have these experimental formats. And something I've been enjoying seeing in the last couple of years is kind of comic as art object and so it's like we know we can download a comic from comiXology and read it on ipad and so i feel like now when people are buying a book it's almost like if you can kick it up a notch and just sort of be like no no you can't read this on an ipad it is like an accordion full foil embossed (laughs) thing that came in a slip case or whatever it's risographed in two colors like that's, I think, where people are really excited to pick up a book now because there's no other way to experience that. You're not going to get the same experience on an iPad. And I feel like that's that's where I see things going more and more. It's like really just taking advantage of what print can do and pulling out all the stops. Yeah. Know? It's a really exciting time to be making comics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like a lot of these are the kind of things that like if you were distributed through Scholastic or something it would be the wrong place for this book 
but um, it's really great that we have these calf shows uh, where there is a place for these books and you can get like these amazing hand assembled risographed things that are like you can only get this if you buy it from the artist and now is your chance mm-hmm. yeah is it my turn yes it, it is. is wow <laughs> i can talk about the uh, comic that kind of connects to the last one the one you brought up um it's it, this might be my most cherished comic good uh, it's up there it's called lamp comic by ah! Gil Galetsky. Um, this was from Lucky's Lounge, and it's a tour of Gil's apartment and all of the lamps that he has, or that they have, rather. Um, and so it's just, it's hilarious. It's drawn in this, uh, here, I actually passed around. I was, like, hoarding it. It's drawn in this really loose style. And when I first picked it up, I was like, oh, you know, this is lighthearted, haha, about lamps. But then it kind of goes in this really philosophical direction about um, binaries like on or off and it really like takes you to this interesting place um while still being like hilarious lighthearted, but also very philosophical it's just a fun breed it was just a really it was just a delight um (laughs) the last page really made me laugh yeah isn't it like thank you for looking at my lamps get out of my house (laughs) no no the last one is like there's a picture of a lamp and it's like oh by the way does anyone want this lamp i don't want it in my house anymore (laughs) yeah i think they were selling the lamp at lucky's lounge and then i saw i saw the lamp being carried around the convention um i also bought their collaboration comic called stiff fits and it's a collaboration with another artist called anna firth and this was sort of a like a zine illustration collection which i just i loved as well i'm a big i'm a big fan so these are these are two comics but um they're by the same creator so i'm just kind of pairing them together mm-hmm. wow this is very different yeah one thing that really drew me to their work was it's drawn in this incredibly loose style um it kind of reminds me of wendy in some ways um mm. And because whenever I make my comics, I always feel like there's this pressure to draw really realistically and to get away from my cartooning background. Uh, it's just a pressure I put on myself. So I always admire people who are just so confident to draw in this really loose, um, unique style that's not as polished. And I'm really drawn to that style aesthetically as well. Oh, yeah. I was just looking up here the name of the illustrator that this reminded me of, uh, Quentin Blake, mm-hmm. uh, who I know from the fact that he illustrated the book covers for like the classic versions of the Roald Dahl books, but like it's mm. got this sort of very loose, like yeah. it only kind of resembles a thing, but it's done so with such skill that it, you will never mistake anything for, for not being what it is. Like you can immediately tell what things are, but then like a second later you realize, Oh, this is just like well-assembled scribbles. Mm. It's like, that's not easy to do. Thanks. No, it's not. Now that you reference uh, the illustrator from Roald Dahl, I'm like, yeah, that's I see that in the lamp yeah. one especially. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh yeah, no this this other one is like a completely different style. Still really good though. Mm-hmm. This cat reminds me of uh, the cat from the NFB. Cat came back. Oh yeah. Right. I don't oh, know whether wow. that's intentional or not, but it's cool. Just, uh, I love the way they draw, like, just tall, lanky people. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think that's in common between the two scenes. And I just finished reading the lamp scene because, like, I was kind of drawn into it. In the Did same it draw way. you in? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really, really good. 
Oh, so fun. I love zines. Another aspect of zines that I love is the fact that they can zone in on something really hyper-specific that you would never be able to make like a fully fleshed out project out of uh, and just kind of encapsulate it and explore it for like a zine length of time is is a really nice unit of time to explore mm. something small. And uh, oh, I liked the way that zine went. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I encountered quite a few new people at VanCap which was great, like creators I'd never heard of, never seen before, uh, and they making some really fresh stuff. It's yeah. really good. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Exciting. Right on. Okay, it's back to me. Yeah. Yes. Um, well, so when uh, I was at TCAF, I made a point of going to the uh, Zine Terrace, which is similar, similar in concept to the Lucky's Lounge, but it was in a separate building away from where the convention was happening it was like across the street and the upstairs of a mall. Um, and so I went through there and it was like Lucky's Lounge, but like three or four times bigger. But then again, TCAF is like VanCAF, but three or four times bigger. So um, but yeah, as I went around, something caught my eye. There was a table that had a comic about a zine about going to Japan. Um, and that was my... Originally, what drew me in, but then um, I talked to the person running the table. Her name was Megan Purdy, and she was part of a zine collective, and she was selling zines on behalf of her group. And um, it turned out she's also the one of the editors for As Good As It Gets, which is oh. from the Toronto Comics uh, anthology project. And so she had also edited this anthology called Called Into Being, a celebration of Frankenstein. And so it's a collection of comics and essays, and they're all about people's relationship to the novel Frankenstein and what it means to them. And I was really surprised that at the very back of this comic, there was a single page submission from Chip Zdarsky, <laughs> who's uh, currently a huge name in like writing for Marvel Comics right now. Um, and I don't know, is it appropriate to do like a reading? Sure. It's just text-based. It's one page. Mm-hmm. He sprang from the cabin window as he said this upon the ice raft, which lay close to the vessel. He was soon borne away by the waves and lost in darkness and distance. As he drifted away, I could just make out his final words. It's okay if you just call me Frankenstein instead of Frankenstein's monster. I don't really mind. The end. <laughs> 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 wow. That's really good. <laughs> I really like, I mean, this is obviously nothing to do with the content of the book, like, but like, so there's something about the cover where it feels like this is a, like an old fashioned, um, like one of those things where the, a publisher like takes a public domain book and they like find it an old, like illustration that's also public domain and they just make a book out of it. It's got that sort of sensibility to it, which is like totally fits with stories about Frankenstein. Yeah, but no, the um, it was like an interesting experience having these like essays and comics. Mm, and yeah, uh, uh, the one thing I would say is I found a lot of the comics were a little more kind of like often like a little more humorous or just like more talking about thoughts on the movie franchise of the Frankenstein's monster where a lot of the essays were very focused on Mary Shelley and someone did, uh, my favorite essay was someone was talking about 
writing their thesis and how they felt like making their thesis was like Dr. Frankenstein making the monster. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I like that combination though. That that kind of feels to me like that's kind of what Frankenstein is where it's this not only a collection of pieces but also like in popular culture like the idea of Frankenstein covers quite a range of of uses from like really sort of intense uh, philosophy to just like goofy Abbott and Costello movie. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't uh, covered a lot of anthologies on this podcast ever. Any? Uh, we did one that Ryan Estrada wrote. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Broken Telephone. Yeah. yeah. But I was going to say that like, although in our community, we don't encounter anthologies like this very often, uh, they have been around for a really long time, mm -hmm. closer to like a lit mag. Right. Mm. And, uh, I'm also seeing them pop up in fandom right. where people will make anthologies of like fan comics and fan uh, fiction, mm. uh, which is pretty neat. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, like a pro tip to all comic sellers out there. If you want me to just like immediately part with my money and take something off your table, just be like, I have an anthology. <laughs> I just sort of feel obligated to buy the anthology. Um, <laughs> That's like me in accordion books. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, wow, you went, to, did you edit this anthology? Oh my God, that must have been so stressful. Let me buy one from you. So, <laughs> so you will feel your efforts are worthwhile. <laughs> I think we're revealing here how narrow our level of empathy is. <laughs> I can only relate to your struggle if your struggle was I had to hand assemble an accordion. <laughs> oh, man. So it's niche interest. <laughs> My friend just, uh, my, my great friend just lent me the original novel, Frankenstein, mm. which I've never read. Um, and it was really funny because before she gave it to me, she's like, so what do you think happens in Frankenstein? I'm like, well, this guy makes a monster called Frankenstein and it goes really bad. And there's a crowd of peasants with pitchforks and they get really angry. And she's like, none of that happens. It's all wrong. You have to read the original book. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it is really cool what a huge range there is of cultural interpretation and I, I really want to read the book and uh check out that anthology maybe afterwards well i have finished reading it so oh. i'm going to borrow it after yeah. this recording that sounds great thank you yeah all right uh so my next book is the only actual zine i guess that i brought for my main recommendations here this is called ghost lookers by uh christian haruki let uh and it's Sort of, um, if I were going to give this an elevator pitch, I would say it's like a ghost hunter show meets X-Files. Uh, there is these two characters who are like looking for ghosts. And uh, I don't know if I should spoil it. I probably shouldn't spoil it. But not everything is quite what it seems. And uh, it's just like a really cute little story. It like hangs together really well. It sort of responds to the genre of that type of supernatural TV show really well, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, and the cover is great. It's like, looks like an X-Files. Oh, it's got a really cute style. Yeah. And I, I love this quarter page size of scene. That's something that I've really started to develop an affection towards mm. where it's just like, it's bite sized to like a very tight degree and such a nice format for a zine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a lot of like 
good planning on Christian's part to sort of say, it's going to be this size. I'm going to pan, uh, plan my pages for that size. And then it works really well. Yeah. Yeah. I like when I do comics, I probably need to spend more time thinking about how am I going to print it before I start drawing pages because like that's kind of important yeah no zine design is something that I'm pretty new to it's only in the last like year or two uh let's say two years uh that I've been really delving into the process of making zines and the design of the book is now like the first thing I do Mm. so I like draw out what I envision the zine is going to be and like the materials the format the page Mm. size the page count and then I like break it down that way before I even start my writing and my planning cool I have like the vision of what it's going to look like at the table (laughs) that's a really good idea yeah it's fun that's a great Um, idea (laughs) yeah this is this zine is the one thing that I uh overlapped with Jonathan on I also brought in ghost lookers and I think specifically I pulled out ghost lookers because I was sitting beside Christian when he was drawing this out on Bristol board oh nice and I remember just being impressed with the fact that uh Christian's previous comics had all been done on a surface pro uh in clip studio and they consciously made the decision to um do like a natural media on Bristol work Wow. And I was, uh, I don't know, I, I've been thinking about revisiting natural media and not just doing everything in Clip Studio. And so to see another comic book artist uh, do that and have such a successful result, including the hand lettering. Oh, what? Uh, I didn't even notice that. Yeah. Uh, oh, nice. I was like really impressed by this whole, this whole book. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Christian's a real talent. Um, you should buy all his comics. <laughs> I, I didn't know what you were saying when you first said that. I was like, what year is it? 29 Z. Oh, yeah. Cool. I'm going to put that in the description for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's 29 Z, baby. All right. Keeping it rolling. Uh, my last of my four is another comic from Zineland Terrace. Uh, so I was able to visit the Zeland Terrace and can confirm it is gigantic and sprawling <laughs> and way, way bigger and more involved than I expected. So I was thrilled uh, to do it. And this zine is called Recharge, and it's by a Toronto artist named Christine Buirano. And it took me a while to figure it out, which is why I love it. Like, it, it's a very mm. simplified zine, but in essence, it's a listing of the things that christine does to recharge herself so if she's feeling low these are the things that she can do to help re-motivate her and i love that everything is broken down very graphically almost like an Mm -hmm. app and there's lots of graphs which is i mean okay so now (laughs) we're getting back into the tell it doesn't like (laughs) it doesn't flow through the rest of it but if you want me to buy your book just put a graph in it there we go that's basically all it takes okay so it's a graph and accordion yeah. anthology and then you guys will all buy it if yeah. i get that right well, what's, uh, what's so, your what's your instant purchase thing so we got to get the, the oh, trifecta yeah. here uh instant purchase oh my gosh um wow that's actually a really tough question Maybe this is like another character. Character question. No, not just the Middle Ages in and of themselves. Okay. Oh, the uh, topic of hell. Oh. I love things set in the underworld. So okay. an accordion anthology set in hell with a graph in it. 
Yeah. And you've got the yeah. trade waiters. There you go. That actually be... sounds like a kind of a fun idea. <laughs> That's a good anthology It'll project. Be... Someone should Qu- do that. Quantified hell, we'll call be... it. Graphs. Uh... Oh, yeah. 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 The graphs can be like in the accordion fold. It folds out. Yeah. Be, the graphs will be charting like how successful the torments in hell are. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I love that it's uh, black, white, and yellow. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, again, black, white, any color, but it's just like, uh, yeah, that's cool. I, I That's a really fun little zine. It's really cute. Uh, I thought the art style was really, really tight and pretty, and uh, it's a square yeah. zine, which is another <laughs> like, yeah. really fun format. Yeah, squares are hard to work with. Yeah. Yeah. Instagram. Huh? <laughs> no, actually, so like I picked up another book that I didn't bring here, but um, it was, I realized, formatted for Instagram originally. So it ended up, the print edition ended up being square. But as I was flipping through it, I realized that it was like two to three square panels with like one panel per page. And so I'm like, oh, interesting. So like the, the medium keeps evolving in response hmm. to how it's getting out to the people. Was that leaving Richards Valley? No. It was... Oh, it was by a Toronto artist. Uh, I think it was ideas or moments or something mm. like that. I think it's moments. Cool. Like, I like that the art style sort of evokes that kind of vector drawing style that you see on the internet a lot, but it's at the same time clearly hand-drawn. Like that's a, a good sort of place to be at where you're sort of in that space in between. Yeah. Um, that really, really drawing of like a bagel with locks and an egg, I just, I don't know. I, that's an amazing illustration. Yes. <laughs> so great job, Christine. She is uh, at local Christine on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Sweet. Am I up? Yeah. Is this my last pick? It is. Oh, it's wow. Little lightning round. Little lightning round. Um, so this zine is, fits in the palm of my hand. I guess it's called Once Upon a Time. And. It's basically, I think it's a one or two line poem mm. uh, within an eight page zine. And it, it was just, it's such a, like a beautiful, small, quiet work of art. I think about it a lot. It really had an impact on me. I could read it, but I'm, I'm not sure if I should just because if I did read it, it would be the entirety of the zine. It's very short. It is sort of, it's about the length of a two line poem. That was a real roller coaster ride. I just read it while you were talking. Did you finish it? Yeah. Did you like it? I did. You're under pressure now. <laughs> yeah. I'm like staring at you like so. <laughs> real really? time. Really? Did real... you really like it? It's real time trade waiters' huh. reactions. This is cool. I, it looks. Um... I think I need to read it again before mm. I can get a really solid beat on it. But let uh... someone else read it. <laughs> <laughs> It's, maybe it's because it's printed so small and printed on colored paper, but it, it looks like it's a a single, like not, it looks not printed. It looks like it was hand done once with markers and mm-hmm. then that's it. Uh, I'm sure that's not how it was made, but that's how it feels. It feels very personal. It, yeah, it does. It does feel personal, which I guess for, for like my picks is like, because I was so much in, like, the Lucky's Lounge, where there was a lot of, like, tiny hand-cut zines, and maybe only, you know, ten were ever made, I kind of loved, like, how personal it feels. It's also by, the uh, artist's name is here, it's Chaya Naran, and you can find them at Butterlover69. 
Nice. On, I think you've never read that until now. I, no, I did. I, I looked. I looked this person up and followed them. They, they're part of um, an animation collective, actually, with uh, Gil Galetsky. Huh. They were um, sitting b- uh, beside each other. Uh, but I just want to spell this because the way Butterlover is spelled, it's very specific. I want people who listen to this to like look them up. It's because they're great. It's Butter L V R sixty nine. So okay, hang on. <laughs> Butter like the the condiment. B u t t e r. Yes. L v r. Yes. L v r sixty nine. Butterlover sixty nine. Because they're born in the year nineteen sixty nine. No. <laughs> How old are you? <laughs> I'm older than you, and you should know this. Love it. I'm being yeah. obtuse. It's the weed number, guys. <laughs> it's the weed number? <laughs> Welcome to another episode of The Trade Waiters Are Too Old Except for Jess. <laughs> oh. I'm sure the weed number is like 666. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. I like uh, printed on colored paper. Yeah. It's another fun thing that mm. you can do with zines. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Lightning uh, round. Time. Okay. Well, my last book is. Book I picked up at TCAF, even though the artist lives in Victoria, uh, but the book was launching at TCAF. Uh, so it's Aurora Borealis by Joan Stacy, and it is a book about her life. So it starts in 1970, and uh, she's going to a uh, high school for people with learning disabilities. Uh, though I think it's not quite as described quite as politely as that in the 1970s. Um, and uh, then she goes to Sheridan College. She meets a guy named Ken and uh, gets married, has kids, uh, moves from Ontario to Victoria and uh, be, learn, and gets uh, a degree and becomes an art professor. So it's basically her autobiographical life story. And it sort of spans a lot of time and distance and uh yeah i know i really enjoyed just uh it was like a very intimate portrait of like somebody's life and uh it was sort of uh, a very interesting life because in her story she meets marshall McLuhan in person and one of her professors was marshall McLuhan's son and uh at multiple instances they meet lots of famous artists so they're hanging out with douglas copeland and hanging out with bill sankovitz and uh yeah i don't know just it was like for a portrait of um a different era of comics i found it really fascinating because you know uh her and ken are accomplished comic book artists and illustrators but their sort of heyday was like at a time when i wasn't an active artist or comic book person and so just seeing kind of the difference of like when you had to like work at your drafting table and uh, put your uh, art in an envelope and get it couriered out to your publisher. Um, there's a scene where like Ken is airbrushing in the house and it's putting blue mist on everything. <laughs> and so then eventually they buy a computer so that they don't have to worry about blue mist from the airbrush. Um, it's like, yeah, I know. It was just sort of really fascinating to look at a different time period 
And uh, one thing I found really interesting in the 70s was like everyone was really anxious about television. Uh, all the older people that they talked to uh, think that television has destroyed society and everyone's brains are destroyed by the TV. And it sounds very much like people talking about smartphones today. It's really fascinating. <laughs> video games, too. Yeah, video games, too. Happens to every medium. Happens to comics, happens to movies, happens to the animation, happens with the novel. Oh, God. Happened with the written word. It did happen. <laughs> it did. Yeah. Someone, wheel, the someone wheel. got their ultimate revenge on Socrates by writing down the time he said the written word is garbage. <laughs> I was going to say, someone said something about that, but I can't remember. It, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> he said the written word would destroy your memory. <laughs> yeah, we could just Google that and find out for sure. <laughs> Socrates' ghost has died so many times. <laughs> uh, this looks really good. I like your your pitch for it has convinced me that I should read this. I want to know more. Like I've, I think I've probably read a few accounts, like autobio accounts from cartoonists from before my time, but not very many. Not enough to really sort of triangulate and understand. What things are like so this would be a good opportunity to get like a new perspective on that yeah there's a lot of stuff to do with um the education system and how mm. it uh i'm gonna go ahead and just say say failed uh joan in her early life oh i believe uh, it there's a reason we don't do school <laughs> like that anymore yeah mm, yeah actually um ken and joan were my teachers when i took the comics and graphic novels program at uh Camosun. and it was great it uh was such a great experience so i haven't actually read aurora borealis yet but i'd love to check it out because you know it's it's sad but it's it's kind of like fascinating because they became such incredible teachers i can mm -hmm. say like with certainty because i took the program for a year and i had such a great time and i learned so much so yeah education come a long way <laughs> i've heard nothing but good things about what they're doing at Camosun college yeah uh all right so i guess this is i've got our last of our main round here. Uh, this is Meat and Bone by Kat Verhoeven. Uh, it's a giant book. Uh, it's basically, it's a story about eating disorders and relationships and other problems. Uh, it's, uh, it, it can get pretty intense. Uh, there's like a lot of characters and some of them are going through a lot, but the art is like phenomenal. The color is amazing. I can't, this is actually reminds me of uh, the episode about uh, Comprima, where every scene has like a completely new color scheme, and you can't necessarily see why the color choices were made, but they all work. My only regret is that I was rushing to read this to, in time to record this episode, and I should have slowed down and given this book more time because there's a there's a lot to take in. Especially at the start, like you're sort of thrown into the mix of all these characters' lives. You have to kind of figure out like what's going on with all these people and no one is giving you a straight story. And like by the end of it, you really know these characters and understand them. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's you, you need this many pages to, to get there. It's how many pages is this? Three, more than 300. Wow. So cool. That looks amazing. Yeah. That That is... Um... A book that was on my uh, list of books I have to pick up uh, at VanCaf. And uh, it's on the top of my to-read pile right now. 
and I only didn't bring it in today because I be, I was convinced that someone else is going to bring it in because it was that good. <laughs> mm. Well, also like it takes so long to read it. Like don't don't do what I did. Don't rush <laughs> through on a deadline well, I, to have it finished. I'm I'm looking forward to reading it after I uh, finish some other rush reading that I have to do first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wow, beautiful. The colors in this are absolutely amazing. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm going to have to read it again just to look at the craft of it. Yeah. Both the the story, too. Like, the story is very well crafted. And the characters, uh, the way that they're sort of, dis- not described, I'm described is the wrong word, but the way that they're presented to the reader is, like, very well done. They're all really, really believable. Beautiful. And the edition looks really beautiful as well. I love the, like neon orange mm-hmm. treatment on the cover yeah mm-hmm. oh i'm i am a big fan of how like day glow colors have really come back in full force right now yeah um i i love the that bright colors are a, a trend uh, i hope they stick around for a bit i just got it in my hands <laughs> flipped through it really quickly i yeah i hope to pick up a copy or borrow a copy maybe well, i'm excited to read this yeah yeah, it's so good. Okay, right. let's do our lightning round. Okay. How much time do we have? Uh, let's make it a really fast lightning round. Okay. Was that not the lightning lightning round? No, that was a round robin. Now, like, I think, uh, we, do we each want to like take a turn and like talk about a book really quick, and then there's no discussion because we're on to the yeah. next okay. one. Yeah. Okay. How many? Um, okay, we, until we run out. I'm stalling. I don't know what to do. Well, who okay, went first? Who's me? Right. Okay. Yes. Okay. Uh, no, I think hey, no, I'm next. Right. Okay, so um, my lightning round is another zine that I picked up on Zineland Terrace. It's called On Nail Polish and Imperman- Impermanence. So let me say that again. On Nail Polish and Impermanence. And it basically relates how when your nails get chipped, it should be a reminder that everything is impermanent. And it's like a really beautiful meditation. And the construction of the zine is really wild. And it has all these like flaps in it <laughs> and... But no name, no name on the zine, and really frustrating. Oh, we're not supposed to pass. No, don't pass around. No passing. That's it. Amazing. Mine is Solemn Growth, collected comics by Katie So. Pathetic poor me comics collected over six months of self-loathing. Very funny. Very fascinating. With a great introduction about making comics about anxiety. How is it bound? I don't know. It has, like, nails in it or something. Chicago Bolts. Okay. Yeah. Sure. You know, Sorry, you know more to, about like used, everything I'm talking about than me. Like, I'm just, so glad you're here. I just know I used to, I used, I used to have to sell Chicago bolts uh, <laughs> to people that did scrapbooking when I worked at Desaire's Art Store. So. Okay. Well, this book is bolted shut and ready to read. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh-huh. Um, okay. Uh, I brought in uh, Cat Comics by Jason Turner. Uh, basically, Jason moved into a new house, and from his balcony, he could see lots of neighborhood cats. So him and his partner gave all the cats nicknames and he adapted the encounters and the lives of these cats into comic form. And so I believe that they're mostly based on real events, but uh, he's having a little bit of fun with it too. So they're, yeah, they're great. He has them online. Jason Turner's Cat Comics. Can't recommend them enough. (laughs) Cat. Recommend them enough. (laughs) Okay. uh, (laughs) uh, My next... terrible Jess. (laughs) Lightning round, yeah! 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, my next book is also an accordion book. <laughs> this is by Tess Emily Reed. I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's called The Birth of Linda. It's a, uh, I believe, Lithuanian folk story. Uh, and when you fold it out, like each folded triangle is a panel in the story. It's got like, I don't have no idea how this was printed, but it looks great. The art is fantastic. Uh, it's also hand assembled because, of course, accordion books are always hand assembled. Uh, and this is not the only accordion book she had, but, you know, I only have so much money, so I'll have to get the other one next year. Yeah, I can't even figure out how she conceived of that. Like, it's such an amazing look, uh, amazing zine. Yeah. Uh, my next lightning round zine is a short box zine. It's Barbara. And I love this book because it is about identity, I'm going to say. The plot is actually a little bit vague, but it's about the intersection between how the character feels about herself and how she relates to the world as a vegetarian. Mm. And so, like, she chooses to become a vegetarian and then how people's perceptions of her changes as a result of that and the microaggressions and things that she encounters as a result uh, of that intersectionality. And I thought it was a really cool and meditative read. So, short box. Uh, it's Barbara by Nicole Miles. I'm out of books. Wow. What? what? I was really What's sorry. A sketchbook? I do have um, a sketchbook by Madeline Berger, who I'm a huge fan of them. I think I probably brought them up on the podcast before. I kind of feel creepy because I'm always like, Madeline, Madeline's so great. <laughs> Madeline, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. But uh, I bought their um, sketchbook, which is also hand-assembled. It's basically two pieces of cardboard with an original drawing and um, almost like a, what would you call this, like a carabiner? Oh, like a, like a, a study ring. Study or, ring. Or a split ring. A split, yeah, ring. A split ring. There we go. And yeah. so it's uh, sort of pinned on the top left corner, and then there's these many, many illustrations. Oh, that's inside. so cool. Yeah. Um, so all I, different sizes. Yeah, they are. So it's it's almost it feels almost like um, <laughs> oh I love it's it. It's a Staples cardboard box. <laughs> what? <laughs> Open it up again. It has it's like Staples. <laughs> Trade Waiters is sponsored by Staples. No, we're not. We're not. We're actually not. That's not true. I'm sorry. Staples give us money. And we'll Staples cut give that us part money, out. please. <laughs> but yeah, they're great. Um, they also have a bunch of zines. I I basically like had to run here after work, so. I wasn't as prepared as I could be, but another great artist that was in Lucky's Lounge. Nice. It would be fucking hilarious right. if we were sponsored by Staples. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be great. <laughs> don't, get your, don't get your zines printed uh, anywhere else, but at Staples. <laughs> they'll really give you the high quality you want in your mini comics. I'm keeping all this in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, well... I mean, uh, we've already mentioned uh, Scott Ford, but um, I couldn't spring for the accordion book, so I just got his regular trade paperback, which is called Arkland, and uh, it's uh, a really fun story. It's like this world where these arcs are crashing into the world, and it has alien technology and alien species, and the culture now is when the arcs crash, people like scavenge and pull technology off of them and try to sell it and just the color is what really drew me to this it's like every page has like a beautiful color palette and it's got those beautiful bright day glow colors that everyone seems to be really into uh i haven't finished reading it yet but uh i i was very satisfied with this purchase so uh he got mentioned twice scott ford so <laughs> guy watch out for 
Okay, uh, my last book that I brought is called Space Girl by, uh, I'm, I'm sorry if I say this wrong, uh, Awaradroa Affle, I think. Uh, I bought it because the colors are great. It's uh, just a cute story about a space girl and a robot. And it's the first chapter of a webcomic. Uh, and uh, yeah, the coloring is like really, really, really good. So cute. Yeah. yeah it looks great. All right, my second to last book is another short box book. It's called Humunculus. It's probably one of the bigger. It's actually a perfect mm. bound little zine. Uh, it's by Joe Sparrow, and it's the story of an artificial intelligence as told through the point of view of that artificial intelligence. Ooh. So the entire narrative is fixed point of view, uh, yeah. and the AI never shifts location, but the world gets destroyed around it. And so it's the life of this AI through an apocalypse and like the <laughs> rebirth of civilization. And oh, wow. Highly recommend. Wow. Uh, Humunculus by Joe Sparrow. Oh, man. I loved it. Shortbox. I gotta Shortbox. look into this. Holy crap. Can I borrow that book? Yeah. <laughs> the Trade is a sponsor of Shortbox. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not, but no, we we're not. fully endorse them. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's so great. Uh, yeah. I also read that in the Shortbox shipment that was sent to my house <laughs> would recommend the short box that you paid for no, just call it I, so I would pay for them I just left there I just am in the house <laughs> they keep I, sending comics to my house they just keep putting quality comics in my house I'm only human it's so awful how could I not read them <laughs> alright Speaking of quality comics, uh, the last book I brought in was um, The Handmaid's Tale as adapted by Renee Nolt, um, which I guess I didn't know this when I bought it, but I guess after reading through it, I realized that I guess Margaret Atwood sort of signed off on the final product, but like this was really just Renee adapting it. Hmm. Um, So it stays very true to the original book. Um, It has a little bit of variation, um, but the big thing that stood out to me was just the artwork. Like, Renee is a tour de force. Every page is just a piece of art, and uh, it was just a really powerful read. And I know that, like, everyone's watching the TV series, and, like, the book has become really um, popular to read again. Uh, and I found that this stood on its own, even though it is still very closely connected to the original source material. Um, if you want to experience The Handmaid's Tale as a comic, uh, it was really well done. And that's double CanCon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. The last book is my uh, remaining treasure purchase from TCAP. <laughs> the last is... book. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Trainwaiters ran out of books to read. Oh, no. Uh, it is Oh, No. By Alex Norris. And I picked this book up. I like literally was like running through the show floor trying to get to their signing and like banging on the door trying to get this book because I knew I had to have it in my collection. I consider it the last great webcomic. And if you'd like, we can do a select reading if we want. Okay, let's pick it up at random. Comparison. Blobby says, I have spent years finding my original artistic voice. And then in panel two, another blobby comes and says, it reminds me of another more popular artist. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Backfire. 
Blobby 1 is angry, angry, angry. Blobby 2 says, calm down. Blobby 1 is very angry. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're not familiar with this comic, every comic is this format. uh, But yet, it manages to be laugh-out-loud funny throughout the entire book. And I am so happy I have it. Like, literally, when uh, Jam brought this in, we were, like, flipping through it and laughing out loud at every single comic because yeah. they're all so they're good. so well done yeah every time they show up on my social media feed that's a treat like, oh what's happened to blobby today yeah. oh no it's <laughs> one of the only reasons i'm still on tumblr <laughs> and it's not i don't follow this artist they just get reposted and then i get to see them yay oh no <laughs> <laughs> they're reposted without credit oh no, <laughs> no. There is a strip about that. Yes. Forcing you to use Tumblr. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, that's it. Um, okay. We're not going to do any shout-outs because the whole episode was nothing but shout-outs. What's our next episode going to be? Our next episode is going to be Berlin by Jason Lutz. The Trade Waiters is presented by Cloudscape Comics. We'd like to thank Sleuth for the music. You can find <laughs> us at thetradewaiters.com as well as SoundCloud. Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher. Thanks for listening.